Welcome into the Magic Weekly Podcast. Jake Chapman here with you. Tuesday, March 30th. The Magic out west right now. Took an L to the Lakers on Sunday night. 96-93, the final score there. Our first chance to see some of the newcomers. Uh, R.J. Hampton, Wendell Carter Jr., and Otto Porter Jr. made their debuts on Sunday. and They'll be back out there tonight against the Clippers. This is game number two of a five-game trip out west. And uh, the competition's stiff. We'll see the New Orleans Pelicans, Zion Williamson and the Pels, uh, Thursday night in New Orleans. And then we head back to the Rocky Mountain time zone. We'll see the Utah Jazz and the Denver Nuggets this weekend. Back-to-back set on Saturday and Sunday. But first things first is the Clippers tonight. Terrence Ross will make his return or should make his return. He's listed as probable. Um, so hoping to see T. Ross out there. He'll be a true game-time decision. Michael Carter-Williams left Sunday's game with a knee contusion. He'll be back out there tonight. And we'll see if the Magic can uh, can kind of put it together with some of the new faces. They took a practice day on Monday. A lot of install, a lot of offensive stuff uh, put in and some pick-and-roll defense, of course. Anytime you're talking Steve Clifford, you're talking pick-and-roll defense. But definitely some positive signs um, on Sunday night from some of the new guys. And uh, Chumo Kiki continues his hot play of late. And then a career-high 26 points on Sunday from Dwayne Bacon. So uh, last 26 games of the season here, it's going to be about getting the new guys um, accustomed and acclimated to, to the group. Hopefully we'll see Gary Harris sometime before the end of the season. He's dealing with an adductor strain, um, but kind of a kind of a feeling out period for Otto Porter Jr. He's a free agent this summer. We'll see what he thinks of the organization and vice versa. Um, and then as we know, you know, Wendell Carter Jr. and RJ Hampton uh, going to be a part of this thing moving forward. So you hope to get some some seasoning on R.J. Hampton. I mean, coming in, he only played 200 minutes in the NBA. He's still very raw, but obviously a whole lot of physical tools there um, that you want to sharpen, and um, you're hoping you project him uh, to be a really good player in this league. It's going to take a while, but you see the skill set, certainly, uh, with Hampton. And then Wendell Carter Jr., it's, you know, it's – I hesitate to call it a reclamation project, but um, things didn't quite work out in Chicago. You see – what was enticing and appealing coming out of the draft. He's a good pick and roll defender for a big, he sets good screens. And now it's just a matter of building upon some of those skill sets. Um, as far as Carter jr. Goes a huge opportunity for Mo Bamba. These last 26 games, he's going to get that playing time. He's going to get that instruction, that sort of um, day to day. Here's a mistake you made last night. Here it is on film. You got to fix it before, uh, before tomorrow night. And I think that's going to be a big step. For Bamba, it's just a matter of, of fixing some of the problems and some of the issues you've had in your first couple of years in your career. And this is an opportunity where it's, you know, the playing time is going to be steady. Um, so, you, you know, there, there's not sort of the, um, the built-in issue or excuse, I guess you could call it, of, um, of unsteady playing time. You're going to get it the, the rest of the year. And so hopefully you're able to build up, hey, Mo, this is what you do well. This is what we need to fix. And you're going to take an off season and hopefully uh, he'll be able to come back next year. Um, a, a new and improved version of Mo Bamba because you see the jumper, you see the block shots. Now it's a matter of trimming up those, those little deficiencies and making sure um, you are in the right place defensively, quite frankly, or setting good screens offensively. Those little things are the things that Mo needs to, um, to clean up in his game. And I, I have a feeling it's going to be a very beneficial 26 games the rest of the way for Mr. Mo Bamba. Hey, Magic fans, the Florida Department of Transportation reminds you that fans don't let fans drive drunk. If you've been drinking, don't get behind the wheel. Instead, find a sober driver or catch a ride service. Remember, drive sober 
or get pulled over. Have a great day and drive safe. And my guest for the program this week, you can read all of his stuff on The Ringer. He's one of the foremost NFL writers we have out there. He has a video series called Slow News Day, which is fantastic. He's now one of the foremost Formula One writers um, <laughs> that we have based on a piece he put out uh, about 48 hours ago. We'll get to that maybe. Um, and he's a diehard Orlando Magic fan. He's on Twitter at by Kevin Clark. I'm not even sure I covered everything, Kevin. Like, are you tired? Do you wake up in the morning and you're just like, how much more content can I create today? Um, uh, you're prolific. I can get tired on some subjects, but definitely not the Orlando Magic. I appreciate you having me on, Jake. I, you know, the Orlando Magic Radio Network, just in general, uh, all the content they've produced over the years has been very important to me. Uh, nothing, I, I, I can't really put uh, any perspective on how cool it was when I was growing up to, to listen to automatic drive time or anything like that. When you're on your way to the magic game, um, really enjoyed doing that. And so um, it was, it, I love Atlanta magic radio network. And I'm just happy to, to contribute to, to part of it. Oh, that's very nice. Um, that's kind of you. Let's start there. Just take people who might not know through your journey a little bit. You're an Orlando native. Uh, you are now a New Yorker. You just came from the, what, uh, from the left coast. Um, professional and personal journey uh, briefly. Yeah, I'll uh, make it quick. Um, I grew up in downtown uh, Delaney Park, kind of Lake Davis area. Mm-hmm. Um, went to University of Miami. Went to Boone for high school. I know that's more important to people than where I went to college. Went to University of Miami. Uh, went to the Wall Street Journal after that for six years, five years, something like that. Uh, afterwards, got hired by Bill Simmons at The Ringer. Uh, covered the NFL um, on a national basis at The Journal. And then uh, covered the NFL for The Ringer. Uh, moved out to Los Angeles for five years, something like that. During the pandemic, we came back actually to St. Augustine um, and spent six, seven months there. Really great to be back in Florida. Um, easy access to Orlando. I mean, it's, it, it's the best. People are moving there during the pan- pandemic for a reason, Jake. And then uh, now back to New York, where I'm from, uh, where, where, I, where I started the professional journey, rather. Um, and so uh, it's it's been cool. And, uh, I, you know, again, the, the only constant in where I'm relocating or where I'm, you know, what my job is, whatever it is, uh, the only constant has been the magic. So uh, it's, it's, it's been fun. I want to do something else real fast. Um, you are married to Emily Glazer, right? Who is That's a correct. like serious reporter for, for the Wall Street Journal, right? She covers like, uh, big business for the Wall Street Journal. That's correct. Okay. Do you ever, do you ever just sort of like think to yourself, wow, like, um, I am doing all this frivolous stuff and my wife is, is actually reporting on important things because I am the son of two teachers and the younger brother yeah. of a social worker. So my family yeah. spent their entire life affecting thousands of people in positive ways. And I was like, yeah, I want to talk about basketball. I think about it all the time. I, it comes up all the time. The, the other thing is because she's not a hoops fan at all. She's not really a sports fan. Um, she doesn't watch it unless she's watching it with me. She brings a very funny perspective on the magic. Yes. Um, and you can kind of, you know, I remember we went to a Lakers Magic game three, four years ago, and, and the Magic were really, really bad, um, like historically bad. And I just remember her just kind of saying, are the Magic running plays? And I, I looked at I, I started to look at it, and, like, I, I'm looking at Analytica, I'm, I'm evaluating the players, and I'm like, no, they're not running plays. Wow, how did you realize that? It's because you were just staring at the, at the Magic and realized they weren't doing anything. Um, and, and so it's just been funny. You know, the one thing is we, we started – uh, dating seriously around uh, the Dwight Howard trade. So she's never seen a good, a good magic team, unfortunately. Oh, um, and so it's been uh, uh, it, 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 having to make the case to watch the magic as, as much as I do is, has been a, a very funny uh, case to make, I guess, over the last nine years. All right. Well, let me ask this question this way. Uh, t- give me Emily's perspective 
on Kevin over the last couple of days? What, what, she, what, what is going on in her head as you're reacting uh, to the trade extravaganza on Thursday? I think it's been pretty calm. You know, I mean, I think that I went from NFL free agency where I was buried under all this analysis to this. And I, I, don't, I doubt she's, she's noticed a difference okay. um, right. just because I, I don't think she differentiates it between I'm, I'm, I'm buried under NFL free agency or I'm buried under the draft, which I'm about to be buried under, um, yep. or I'm buried under uh, Vooch going, going to the Bulls and Aaron Gordon going to the Nuggets. I, I don't think there's, there's much of a difference in, in her mind. Um, I'm frazzled either way. Okay, but so that means that you, okay, you're frazzled either way. So, but, but there, wasn't a, there wasn't a loud exclamation, um, uh, oh, loud swear yeah. words, I can't believe they bleep and traded Vooch or any of that no. stuff. Like you're kinda, I no. listened to the pod with, with Ryan and Bill, like you're with kind Ryan, of on board yeah. with the whole thing. Yeah, I, I liked the trades generally. Um, I was absolutely stunned. I process things by just being silent, just 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 kind of internalizing. And right. so, well, I think it was the the Shams tweet I saw first. I don't know who actually was first, but I I saw the tweet, and I just remember reading it over and over again because I couldn't believe it because the reports were, you know, I, I like everybody, I follow Josh Robbins every single day, and the reports were Fournier gone, Gordon probably gone, gone, Vooch almost certainly stank, right? And, and if you listen to, to Jeff Weltman, that seemed to be uh, their plan too, except they just got a huge offer. Um, the Bulls were not the team I expected. Um, I did, you know, I was on the Bill Simmons podcast, I don't know, a month ago. He was talking about the Celtics trying to give a godfather offer for, for Vooch and, and a team like that that maybe in theory would be closer, even though the Celtics are not you know, playing an elite level. In theory, they do have stars where Vooch would fit. Um, so I think both the trade and the destination really surprised me. And also just it was the end of an era, Jake. I mean, it was, it was nine years. Um, and, and, you know, Vooch really grew into, even though it was obvious right away in 2012, 2013, that he was really, really good. Um, the steps he took to become an elite player um, were, were amazing to watch and adding a three pointer to his game. I mean, there were just so many ways I, I got frustrated like everybody at some of the, some of the, the, the things that we had to do as a team to kind of fit his style when he was the best player on the court, that was early on. And then he adjusted his style and, yeah. and, and basically became a, a justifiable two-time all-star uh, because he changed his game. Um, I think that, there were, there were always going to be, you know, weaknesses in his game or whatever. And, and he helped fill those admirably. I don't think anyone, there are very, very, very few players. If you just look at the numbers over the past couple of years who worked harder at improving his game uh, than Vooch. And I think that he should be commended for that. Are you old enough to remember when Shaq left? I am. I was at Orlando Magic Basketball Camp that day. Wow. And uh, that was a, uh, that was a tough one. That was, that was a tough atmosphere to be in. Uh, there were a couple of, uh, assistant coaches. I, I, I wish I remembered which ones. I was so young. I was, I don't know, seven or eight. And um, I there were a couple of coaches. I would, no, I would have known Richie Adubato because okay. he was obviously the, the interim later. But there were a couple of, of assistant coaches and magic staffers who were there that day teaching the kids. And they had lost Shaq. And it was a very interesting atmosphere, as I'll wow. say about that. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. But so, I mean, so because I, I feel like that's the other part of this is the, the frame of reference for magic fans when you go back and it's Shaq and the dried up dirty little pond yeah. or whatever. And, and then Dwight and then there's Vooch and it's like he wanted to be here. And then he yep. says the, the most beautiful, eloquent, emotional things uh, when he gets to Chicago. It was just yep. like it, it was sort of the extra gut punch was the fact that this guy turned into an elite player in the league and he wanted to be here and then he moves on anyways. Um, and I understand the, the pain and the emotion and all of that. But I also, you know, I, I think the, 
the sort of rational approach here is if you were at the point where you're going to trade Evan and Aaron, then, then a mini rebuild or whatever you want to call it um, around Vooch, that timeline doesn't really fit. Like if you're going to trade Evan and Aaron, you're going to need players who are at the same level of their career as Evan and Aaron. If you want to do a mini rebuild and it doesn't work that way, you're going to get back draft picks and you're going to get back cap flexibility and young players. um, And then you need, you need a timeline to fit. So um, it was, look, it was tricky. Last thing, I guess, about, about this a little bit. Um, Aaron's comments over the last few days, how have you, how have you taken those? Yeah, don't love it. I don't love it. Um, you know, I, I'm with you. You alluded to the, the comments Shaq made um, and kind of the, even the Dwight Howard, his attitude after he left Orlando um, and seeing Orlando as a stepping stone uh, has been a problem for this entire franchise right and and it kind of I, I felt that the tide started to, to turn a little bit in the late 90s early 2000s where we signed Grant Hill we signed Tracy McGrady we, we came extremely close to signing Tim Duncan and I thought you know I, I love Orlando as a city I love Central Florida I love I love the state of Florida and I'm surprised okay we're not on the ocean we don't have Pat Riley but I, I, you know I think that there was more of a um, for NBA players, a cachet uh, for the franchise 20 years ago. But Orlando is a really nice place to live. There's no state income tax. You can live on a golf course. You can live on a lake, whatever you want to do. And I, I want to get back to that. And, and, and when, when Aaron Gordon makes comments um, about just having, how, how badly he wanted to get out and all that stuff, um, I think that it kind of hurts. Um, and so as someone who just basically generally cares about the region, um, I, I don't like – when players have that attitude leaving. Um, and I just think it's unfair. You know, I think that the Magic did everything they could um, to develop Aaron Gordon, develop the team. And, and they they got some bad luck. The timeline didn't work. They got some bad lot- lottery luck. Um, but, you know, listen, uh, I, I think that Vooch will be remembered much more fondly in Orlando than than Aaron Gordon. Um, you know, I have I still have complicated feelings about about Shaq or or um, you know even quite frankly even T Mac uh, who forced his way out. That that listen that Doc Rivers you know the the, that era was fine. Um, the year they started horribly. I think they were one in twenty. The year that they ended up getting um, Dwight Howard in the lottery, like that was a really bad team. Um, but the you know I I, I don't. I just have complicated feelings in any of those players who who, uh, who did their darndest to, to leave the franchise uh, and and didn't we didn't necessarily get a great return return uh, for them. It's funny I'm comparing in my head. I'm from Cleveland, and so the idea like when I was with the Magic for two years when LeBron left yeah. for Miami, and it was and I was hurt for my region. You know, I was sitting there like the Magic were paying me. I, I you quickly become a Magic fan, right? Like I had kind of sort of. Uh, or, or you just forget or you just forget it you know I, I actually heard your comments a couple of weeks ago about this and and I agree it's not that you you become a fan of a team you're covering or whatever it's that you just forget you're ever a fan of the other team because you're just so busy and, and you know just doing it just becomes a day-to-day thing you know yeah exactly no exactly and so but but like you'll never you'll never get rid of the um of the emotion tied to the area and to the people that are still there so yeah. when lebron left That's i was mad thing. at him for my father you know like i was like i felt like i had to stand up to him like, as as if there was any sort of way that i could do that um and hearing you describe orlando similarly and obviously two completely different you know geopolitical and socioeconomic um yeah. places but but there is that element of I, it doesn't make sense to me why people say, why would anybody want to come to Orlando? Like, of course, like there's no state income tax and it's warm and there's, a, it's not Cleveland or Detroit and Cleveland and Detroit are cool cities in their own way. Um, but it, but it, I don't know. It, 
it doesn't quite add up. I think that there's probably a gap in perception of how athletes actually view living in Orlando. It's not, no, it's not Miami, but it's also, um, there, there's also a whole lot of really cool things going on here. Um, and you could do a lot worse. With that said, I think probably being honest with yourself about are you a free agent destination at the top of everybody's list um, is important. And so I think it makes sense to sort of lean into this direction, right? Like we're going to build through the draft and we're going to try to get from the beginning of their careers a superstar player through the door. Um, And I think that's where we're headed. I wanted to ask you about about Orlando in general and magic fans. Like, have you seen, yeah. because it's such a, it's such a transient place and, and there's so many, you know, we'll have games and the Knicks are in town and there's Knicks fans everywhere. And then, you know, even the Pistons and the Bulls. And have you seen kind of an, uh, a generation of magic fans around your age who grew up in the Shaq and Penny era and are actual like diehard magic fans or, and I know you moved away, but, um, is it still, does it still sort of had that, that transplant transient vibe to it where it's like, well, my dad's a Knicks fan, so I'm a Knicks fan. Sure. I mean, I, I would say that extends for most teams throughout the state and not just yeah. the magic, but I would also say the Miami Dolphins have that problem. Um, the Tampa Bay Rays have that problem. Um, the, you know, I, I went to University of Miami, as I said, and, and you'd go to professional sports games and there'd be teams that are still very popular in the area and there would still be 50, 50. Um, you know, there are always stories about, about, you know, how many giants, there might be more giants fans than, than, you know, I, I, Florida Panthers, New York giants fans than Florida Panthers fans in South Florida, right? Something like that. Something crazy like that. Um, just because of the, the transplant mentality. Um, I would say, you know, it's interesting because I think this plays into a little bit of what we're talking about with the rebuild and the timeline and stuff. This team has not been good in nine years. And I remember, were you here in, um, in 09 when they made the finals run? No, I, I was, okay. I had been an intern uh, two years prior and I came the next season, like right afterwards. So I was yeah, that, 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 that was an incredible time. And I, if, if anyone wasn't here for that, you know, when they beat the Cavs uh, to clinch and go to the finals, downtown Orlando was as fun as I've ever seen it. Um, even before that, we beat Boston in, in the garden in game seven and it was an absolute downpour. And I was watching it downtown, and I remember when when we won, people just running out into the the rain and just acting like, uh, you know, we we just won a war or something. You know, I mean, it was it was right. uh, it was an incredible time, and uh, there is that fan base there, and there is that sense of community there. The problem is, and, and to answer your question, yes, I, I have a ton of friends who are Magic fans and and live and die by by every game, every relevant game and, and get excited for the playoffs and all that stuff. And in Los Angeles, I had a bunch of friends I could watch with. In New York, I'll have a bunch of friends I, I, I can watch with. And um, I think that there's uh, – I just think that, that you don't know the extent of it until – we play a second round series against a relevant team. We play in the Eastern Conference Finals or, um, you know, knock on wood at some point, play in, in an NBA Finals again. Um, and so I, from a fan base perspective, yeah, it's disheartening when you go there. You know, I, I, I tell the story sometimes, but, you know, Jameer Nelson, uh, when he played, he played with the Pelicans here two years ago. And I remember – it's a long story, but I remember that, you know, Gentry put him in for kind of a curtain call at the end and there wasn't really much of a reaction, you know? And like, I, I just feel like 
in other cities that maybe have a more, I would say, coherent basketball lineage, you know, someone like Jameer Nelson, who was one of the best players in our franchise history, checking in with two minutes to go, um, would, would get a standing O. Um, and I, I certainly gave him a standing O. Um, you know, I remember, and this is completely separate, I'm not comparing Jameer Nelson and Patrick Ewing, but I, when Magic had Ewing, he went to the Garden and they, they gave him the same thing, checked him in with two minutes to go. And the noise in there, I remember watching this game and I've seen it on YouTube since, the noise in there was as, you know, as loud as if they were playing game seven of the finals, right? Um, and I just feel like Orlando, for whatever reason, has missed that. Um, and, you know, I think that that's true of a lot of, of more modern teams is that there's, you know, there's not 50 years of, oh, my father passed this down to, to this or, uh, you know, me, me and my family used to watch this. I mean, my mom's a huge Magic fan. My dad's a huge Magic fan. But it's just not, um, it's just not as developed as, as, it, as it is, and I guess, in other cities. Yeah, but do you think, do you think it'll ever be? I mean, is it, it's, is it something where it's just time-based or does it have to do with, you know, it's Tampa the same way or Buccaneers fans the same way? Um, because you always hear about how, well, you live in Florida, there's all these alternatives, right? You got people who are surfers and people yeah. uh, who are golfers. And, and when you grow up in Cleveland or in Philly or in Detroit, it was like, what are we doing? We're watching the Sixers. What are we doing? We're watching the Phillies. Yeah. Um, I, I just wonder if it's ever going to be like that or if, it, or if that ship has sailed. I think it can be like that. I mean, you look at a team like the Tampa Bay Lightning. When I was growing up, I was a huge, huge hockey guy growing up. I, I played at RDB. I was a junior solar bear. Um, don't know if junior. I don't know if the new solar bears have a junior system, but I was certainly a junior solar bear. And um, the, I, you know, the Lightning were not a thing back then. The Lightning were playing games in Orlando. I don't know if everybody any remembers this, but 93, 94 around there, the, the Lightning were playing games at Orlando Arena. Um, they played the Capitals once, played the Sabres. I would go to those games, but they just weren't that popular. And then they started to win. And then they started to build this community. And now, you know, they had the boat parade after they won the Stanley Cup. There's a real thing there. And I'm not saying, I, mean, I think that the Magic are more popular than the Lightning and all that stuff, but I'm just saying it's, it's possible to, to build a community around a winning team. Um, and I think that there's, uh, I just think it, it takes, it takes a little bit and it takes relevance. And it for as, as, as much as I like watching Okiki and Dwayne Bacon and Mo Bamba get minutes and stuff, I don't, that appeals to my mom. I, I, I doubt my mom has watched the full magic game this year. Maybe, maybe she watched the first one. Um, but she instead is going to watch the Bucks or the Gators or the Hurricanes or some of these other uh, in-state teams because I just think that they're, they're more relevant. When you're in Florida, you're, Florida, you're competing with a lot of different teams. Yeah. Um, and, and I just think that we, you know, listen, the Bucks went through a decade where nobody went to their games. Like, yeah. listen, I cover football. And, and, and I remember, you know, their attendance was bad, all this stuff. And, then, and now, you know, Tampa's back all in on the Bucks because they won a Super Bowl. And I think that there's, there's obviously steps between where the Magic are and winning the NBA Finals. But I just think that when you win, the, the city can rally around it. I've seen it before. I had some uh, – it's a pretty good seats at, at Browns Buccaneers games a couple, a couple of years ago. Uh, and yeah. they were very easy to get. No, but to your point, like – that 09 run, I mean, the city was absolutely rocking. I was down here. Uh, I just wasn't employed by the organization. Um, and so I saw it and I lived it. And then even the next year, I mean, it was even more fever pitch. Uh, we lose to Boston in the conference finals. But um, that was a fun time. And you, you can absolutely energize the city and this fan base. But it takes relevance. It takes winning um, at a sustained level, I guess. So I guess the good part about moving back east 
is now you don't have to cut out of work at four o'clock to catch a magic game on league pass. Well, yeah. I mean, the, the big thing for me is just how easy it is to get to Orlando. I mean, the two hour flight instead of Hell yeah. a five hour red eye. Um, so, you know, I, I flew from LA to Orlando for the, um, the Raptor series. So game four um, mm. of that series, because they just hadn't played in the playoffs for so long. I just wanted to see it. Um, but you know, it wasn't the same. I mean, there were so many times when I lived in New York where I'd fly, okay, I'd wake up in Manhattan, go to LaGuardia, get to Orlando, go see the Magic play the Sixers that night or whatever. Um, and, and, and in LA, you really have to plan that stuff. You're really only going once or twice a year, and you might get unlucky with the Magic um, Wait, would you fly schedule. back, like, the next day? You would do, you would do it? Oh, no, no, okay, no. all right, all right. It was, I was going to say, no, no, no. Uh, It was like, if some... there was a reason for me to be in Orlando, gotcha, I'm okay. saying it was really easy to tailor – a a magic game type trip just yeah, say oh, okay i'll play i'll fly in two days early they're playing the spurs let's got do this. it okay yeah. um whereas in la when you're doing time zones and you're doing red eyes and you're doing all that stuff it's, it's just a little harder it's a little harder to, to tailor all that so it's just easier to sort of incidentally go to a magic game when you're on the east coast did you catch uh chapter one of of uh the, the new magic book last night uh the lakers game yeah i did i did i did yes i kind of liked it well, yeah, what did like you think? That. So <clears throat> I thought that, first of all, I thought we were a little better than, than I anticipated, um, especially without Ross. I think that there, we just get to answer questions, right? Like there's no more, um, like I think the Mo Bamba question will be answered by the end of this season. I think that. Okay, uh, that's not well, a lot of time now. Well, they, I mean, because I, they keep saying, the front office keeps saying, and and I think there's something to it, but I also think like Mo like Mo knows it's 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 showtime. Um, he hasn't had a full off season, you know. He's been hurt, and that's been sort of the problem. So I think at the very least, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a maybe a calendar year. I think by this time next year, um, it's gonna be kind of put up or shut up time. I I'm gonna come at this from a football perspective. Okay. Okay. So the lockout happened in 2011 and then there was COVID last year in the NFL in both cases the narrative was that young players needed an offseason and they need to work out and they need to build chemistry but in both of those situations rookies put up historically good numbers mm. and the guys who could stick stuck right um Cam Newton AJ Green Julio Jones J.J. Watt, that was the 2011 class. And there were so many articles around that. All oh, these guys, are, these guys' careers are ruined because you don't have an offseason. Right. And I, listen, I, I want to be charitable towards Obama. I think he has incredible skills. But I think sometimes we overrate a little bit. There are a lot of young guys who are doing really well without, without a full, you know, in, in COVID times, right? Um, and, and I understand he's been injured. I understand all that stuff. Um, but as far as just the timetable goes, uh, there are, I, I, I kind of think full off seasons can be overrated. Um, obviously he had the, the health battles last year in the bubble, which I, you cannot penalize him for at all. Um, but I think that at some point you get into, uh, the latter stages of your rookie contract and I, I, I just stop, stop waiting around. I still think he can turn it around. Um, I'm just saying I'm, uh, you can't build hope, hope. The big thing is uh, in front offices a lot in the NFL is uh, the phrase hope is not a strategy. And I just need to see something from Bamba that makes me think that he can, um, he's actually a, a piece worth building because, you know, when, once we start building, 
you know, right now, I, with the exception of maybe point guard, I think you can draft, um, draft for need at any position. And if, if somebody wants to claim their spot before the draft picks start coming in, they better do it pretty soon. That's fair. I think that's a, that's a pretty logical um, outlook. So what from Mo would convince you? Like, what, what are – give me two well, things I, I you want to see from Mo he blew past Marcus Gasol at the top of the key last night. For okay, that but dunk. I can I loved blow it. past Marcus Gasol at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I do, we have a colleague, to, uh, Kevin O'Connor, I texted that too. And we, we both got really excited about, about him blowing past Marcus Gasol. Um, <laughs> consistency. You know, I, 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 I read Josh Robbins um, the past couple of months, and he and Seth Partner have done some work on The Athletic. And, and the takeaway there is that the Mo Bamba is um, – the thing they've written is he's a mistake player – who has so much potential that, that, that you need to give him chances because he has wingspan, he has natural athleticism, all that stuff. Um, I think that the reason he was on the bench um, behind Ken Birch is because Ken Birch is a better player than he is. And yeah. I don't think there's much mystery to that. Um, and so um, I, I, I just want to see consistency. I want to see maximum, maximum effort, uh, high motor. We have so many high motor guys, Jake. Um, Cole Anthony is a high motor guy. Okiki is playing with a real energy right now. Um, that when you're not a high motor guy or you're not playing with the high motor, it really stands out. Um, so I just want to see, I want to see everything. I mean, I, I'm ready to believe with, with Bamba. I've been so high on Bamba. I've defended Bamba for a long time. I'm just saying that I can't, I can't wait around. Um, I can't wait around for this. Uh, and, and I don't think the magic, Magic should either. Um, either he's going to be the prospect we thought he was, or he's not. That's an interesting strategy. Put him around a bunch of low motor guys, and then it w- he won't stick out. <laughs> <laughs> Just slow it down. Just slow it down. <laughs> no, but you're, that's exactly, in my opinion, as well. Like, you see the flashes. You have to see it consistently. Um, and you're right. I mean, it's I, – I, I think you're going to find out a lot about it over the last, what, 26 games here. Um, I think next year, hopefully, you get a full offseason, a full normal offseason – um, and, and it'll be a huge season. It's a big time. What did you think about, before we go, um, about R.J. Hampton? Um, I want your thoughts on Shumo Kiki as well. How good can he be? Uh, Porter Jr., Carter Jr., what did you see last night? Yeah, with all those guys, um, Kiki, let's take first, because Okiki's the one I've seen play the most. I, I adore him. I love him. And, you know, one of the problems, I think, Jake, is that the Magic have led the league over the past nine years, and guys who – who would be the fourth best team for a or fourth best player for a contender. Right. right. And we have a bunch of them. And in fact, Vooch was the exception because he should, he's going to be the second or third best player on a really good team going forward. And I think one day, I don't think it's going to move to Chicago, but I think it'll win a ring at some point because he's so valuable and people inside the league know how good he is. But when I see Okiki play, I, I think he's got a really high ceiling. And I know I've said that before, and I know I've fallen in love with, with players before, but I love the way he plays. I love the confidence with which he plays within the flow of the game. Um, I don't think he's ever lost out there, ever. Uh, I, I, he obviously can hit the three. Um, I love the guy. Um, the other guys, you know, I'm, I'm withholding judgment on the guys we just got who, who obviously it's a small sample size. Um, I like the Wendell Carter thing. Um, I think that, you know, uh, Bill Simmons and Ryan Russillo, who I did the podcast with on, on Friday, both of them are hesitant to overpraise the um, 
I don't know what you'd call it. The, the strategy now where you just say, hey, we're getting a, a lottery, a young lottery pick who hasn't worked out somewhere else. Maybe this will work out. That, that very rarely uh, turns out. It, you know, obviously, Markel Fultz being the exception. Um, but I think there's something there. And I, and I, I, I like that we asked for him. Um, and so, you know, I think that the, the, the Denver guys, I think obviously, um, you know, it, Gary Harris is, I, I heard was, was offered to, to eight or nine teams. I think that he's a good kind of stopgap. Um, RJ, I'm, I'm kind of, I, I need to see a little bit more before I figure out how he fits into it. But I, I think there's pieces here. And I think that there were a lot of Magic fans who, I don't know what they were expecting for, for Vooch and Gordon, but they were expecting more, you know, NBA, uh, Magic Twitter and, and message boards or whatever. But I, I think this is a pretty good haul. Yeah, it feels like there's right now it's a it's kind of a lot of ancillary pieces and and yeah. you're hoping for that centerpiece. Um, and I guess that's what every franchise is doing. Uh, real quick before you go, is it okay for me to believe in the Browns? Yeah, I mean I did the the quarterback I was on in ninety two nine. Is that what it is? Ninety two three. Big sports station. Yeah, uh, I was on the last Fox. week. We uh, we talked. I was on with the bull. I was on with the bull. Yeah, and uh, we uh, we were talking about it and and. I said the Browns were doing having one of the best off seasons. Um, I don't think they overthought it. I think that they, um, you know, I think some teams got way galaxy brain like the Patriots and just started spending money because they had some logic to do so. And I don't necessarily think that's how you do it. I think it's what, if you're the Browns, you sign John Johnson, you sign Troy Hill. I mean, you get these pieces and they start to make sense and you pay market rate. Everything fits. My only concern, Jake, is – they were the let's I, I believe they're one of the top four teams in the AFC that were last year and they deserve to be in the final four. But when I look at those other three teams in the final four, I think, well, they have the worst quarterback. So how do they close the gap? And I, I don't, I don't know at this point. I don't know at this point. I, I, I think that it's going to take some luck. Um, it's going to take some injuries. I, I think that they'll probably be back where they were last year. Um, nailed on playoff team maybe win a playoff game, but I just think getting into the league right now requires better quarterbacks than, than present day Baker Mayfield. I was almost out on him after the Raiders game last year. I mean, the first half <laughs> of the season, he was so, it was very difficult to yeah. watch and he got yeah. better and he got comfortable in the offense. Um, and so I'm excited, but yeah, I, I hold the same apprehension. I think that you have, he's Kevin Clark. He is a force uh, for the ringer does all things NFL, huge magic fan, slow news day on Twitter at by Kevin Clark. Really appreciate the time, bro. Uh, keep doing what you're doing. We'll talk soon, okay? I'm a huge fan. Thanks for all you, all you guys do. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, Jake Chapman here with you. Follow me on Twitter. It's at Jake Chapman OM. We're back next week with another edition of the Magic Weekly Podcast. Till then, stay safe, everybody.